Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan, the original Napkin Notes dad. I have been diagnosed with cancer seven times in total, three times this year alone. Just got back from having brain surgery, but more importantly, I've been a dad for 18 and a half years, almost 19. And every day since kindergarten, I've been writing notes and sticking them in my daughter Emma's lunch. Hi, I'm Dara, the author of Crush Cancer, available on Amazon, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. Welcome to our show. Garth, we have such a great show today. I'm really excited about this. Although, as we were discussing it this morning, I kind of get the impression that this is actually a recurring theme in a lot of our episodes. Yes, and but that's so, a bad thing. Yeah, right. And I think just now we're going to be talking about that in and of itself and just by itself because it's a really big deal. It is a big deal. And I feel like it's something that comes up when I'm talking to people a lot. And it's basically, let's try to live our lives and not play it small because playing it small isn't serving you well. And so many people are afraid and fear is getting in the way of them taking chances that are going to help them grow and become really a better version of themselves. You know, when I was really thinking about what I wanted to say this morning, I got a little bit scared because I don't know if my life and I don't know if your life are really the best examples to talk about when we talk about risk and reward because we've both been through a health crisis which really kind of skewed our outlook. And it also has kind of given us this permission slip to do some extra things that maybe we wouldn't have done if we hadn't gone through that crisis. I think what, what you're talking about is how what we went through gave us, in a way, permission to be more intentional about the choices that we're making and how we're living our lives. And we're not afraid to make or take chances that we feel can get us maybe an experience that is worth having. I wouldn't even say that we're not afraid. That's I think true. That, I think that we both can kind of assess situations in a little bit different of a perspective and really ask ourselves and you know we've talked about this and yeah. I say this all the time what's the worst that could happen yeah and i'm not saying that we should take stupid risks you know i still put my seatbelt on when mm -hmm. i when i drive around yeah uh, we're not telling our audience to go like jump out of an airplane or like do things that don't make sense right That's i, I don't text sense. and drive I yeah. never run with scissors. I do color outside the lines. And that's good. That's what we're saying. We're saying to give yourself permission to color a little bit outside the lines and to maybe do something that you feel in your stomach is scary, but it's something that you really want to do. Because a lot of times there are things that people really want to do, but they are afraid to let themselves or to even give themselves permission to do it because they're scared. And that's, I think, what we're really talking about is not letting fear get in the way of letting you grow and be the best version of yourself. You know, I have two friends, both with very different backgrounds, both in very different places in their lives. Both of them this summer did something that was extraordinary and involved some serious risk. And they were probably at least a little bit concerned, maybe not quite afraid, but they were absolutely concerned about how they are going to get from point A to point B. So and I want to hear, what did they do? Well, so I have, I have two friends, Bobby and Jeff. Both of them had very similar paths in completely different experiences over the summer. So Bobby, my friend from New England, he decided to walk the Appalachian Trail. Nice. And so what is it? 
2,000 miles, give or take. Like he was walking the whole thing? He walked the whole thing. He started wow. in Georgia, ended in Maine. And I think he hiked from the middle of March until the end of August. Impressive. And yeah, I mean, no kidding, right? I mean, and life-changing, really. Sure. He had to have had a little bit of fear going from point A to point B. Absolutely. And I have another friend, Jeff, who did something in a very similar vein. He has a little tiny Vespa. I mean, can you imagine this Vespa? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I something that if you bench enough, you could probably lift this Vespa up all by yourself. Oh, like, hey, I can't get into this parking space. Oh, wait, let me just, you know, I'll lift up my Vespa and put it up on the sidewalk, <laughs> right? And he took this Vespa and rode it across the country from yeah. New England to Los Angeles. He just finished. What was his purpose? Um, he kind of has this mission. The Vespa was called Be Kind and yeah. it was painted bright yellow and had logos of bees on it. He wanted to experience life. It was something that he felt was a challenge for him. What was great about this, and Jeff, I hope you're listening, you know what, we should probably catch up real quickly. Not only was this trip a challenge, but he challenged himself almost every step of the way. Did things that were out of his comfort zone. Right. I think we talked about that in another episode. Right. Yeah. He, he did some zip lining. I mean, and, and think about it too. Just, you know, you're scooting along the highway at 40 miles an hour on a Vespa and these trucks and, and big tractor trailers are driving by you. And holy cow, what an experience. So what have you done this year to get yourself out of your comfort zone? What was your hiking the trail or your Vespa? I don't know. Mm, I, 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 gotta I, answer. Gotta gotta find something. But and I, if not, if not, Garth, then you're playing it safe. <clears throat> and I know you're not playing it safe. Well, here's the thing. I actually don't think that I play it safe in really any aspect of my life. You know me. My motto, my yeah. internal clock says, what's the worst that can happen? You right? know what? I think you've actually gotten so used to living that way that you don't even realize some of the things that you do every single week or the choices that you make are really pushing yourself out of your comfort zone because you're so used to pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Right, right. And and sometimes... You don't even like think of it as, oh, I'm not playing it safe. Oh, I'm taking a chance or putting myself in this situation because you do that all the time. And I really think that's so kind of matter of fact for me that I don't think, oh, you know, if I were somebody else, this yeah. would probably scare the crap out of me. So Garth, what are you doing to help yourself not play it safe? I don't think that I need the help, right? I mean, that's, again, <laughs> that, right? I mean, we joke about this, but you know, if I went back to this walkabout that I did, and it wasn't very long, but if you think about some of the fundamental things that I did over this trip when I went to Reykjavik and then I went on to Germany, when I took off, I didn't know where I was sleeping. I mean, that was a little bit, I'm not going to go with the word crazy, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you basically had just had chemo. Let's just back oh, yeah. it up. Yeah. I forgot about chemo. that. You just had chemo. You just found out you had a brain tumor. You got on an international flight by yourself and you didn't know where you were sleeping. Right. I mean, one could say that was a little bit crazy. You know, out of that whole trip, what I think the riskiest thing that I did was, was to, get me, to get me out of my comfort zone. And, and it wasn't the, I don't know where I'm sleeping. I don't know where I'm eating. I don't know how to get from place to place. Oh, I missed this train. It was when I was in Reykjavik, I went to mass and right. right 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 and i was asked to read the second reading 
And that is something that is incredibly not in my comfort zone. I don't wear my faith on my sleeve. I'm not really good about that. I, I just, it's I don't. It's kind of funny that that's, <laughs> that's what's, what was out of your comfort zone the whole time, like out of all your experiences. Because for me, if I had been you in that situation, well, first of all, I really don't think I would get on a, an international flight right after going through chemo because that would have really caused me to kind of feel like, okay, if I have any of the side effects, I want to be home near my doctor so that I can kind of deal with whatever I have to deal with. And I love that you were just kind of like, screw it. I'm going and however I feel is how I feel and I'll just deal with it. And you did and you ended up having an amazing time because you didn't hold yourself back. You didn't let your fear of whatever might happen or could happen hold you back. Now, well, let's really be honest. I did have two days break in between chemo and my and my flight. <laughs> yeah, that just means that, like the steroids that they gave you wore off. And so you literally were on the plane during the time that you actually probably could have been hit with side effects. And I actually I, thought about that. I was like, okay, not only is he doing this, he's actually doing it when the steroids wear off. <laughs> but that was so impressive. And you really, I think, showed a lot of people that, hey, you can give in to whatever might happen or you can push yourself to move forward. You live what you preach. And I love that. I think that's amazing. You know, that's important to both of us that we actually live the way we talk. Right. Well, and I think even doing this podcast to a certain extent is kind of outside of our comfort zones. Right? I don't know. I mean, we talk all the time. Well, right. We talk, but neither one of us had done this before. We didn't really know how to spin it up. We didn't know yeah. how to plan. We didn't know how to get guests. And I'm not saying this was a huge risk, but really we didn't know anything about how to do a podcast we just knew that we both wanted to do one and so really all we had to do was kind of lay out what are the first couple of steps because we can kind of build this as we go along and i think that that's something for people to keep in mind you don't have to know how it's going to end up i love that you said that because i think you're exactly right you just have to want to do something badly enough and not give into the fear but you don't have to have all of the boxes checked. You don't have to know how it's gonna play out. You don't have to know the end result because, and here's the really cool part, the end result is gonna be way better probably than you could even imagine. And oftentimes it's not the end result that actually matters. It's, it's the, the journey. Right, it's the transformation process that you go through getting to the end result. You know, I'm glad you said that because I think too often people are really focused on the end result. Hey, if I do this, then this will happen. Hey, if I push myself to do this, then I'll get blah, blah, blah. But we forget that it is the journey. It is the transformation, the growth, all of the changes that will happen in us because of what we did. I was chatting with my counselor yesterday, actually, and we were talking about how I have this, it's almost a false sense of urgency. So I, I can see why you would have that because you want to like, you want to live and get the most out of every single day and you don't want to wait. And I think going through a really challenging health situation gives you that. So I don't think that's necessarily a fault. Oh, I don't think it's a fault okay. at all. Okay. I, I do think that it gets in the way of me slowing down, of smelling the flowers, of taking a walk. Like as an example, I can't take a walk without listening to a podcast. I want to take that experience and learn something from it. I can't necessarily just walk and enjoy the leaves falling and the sun shining on the water. Okay. I'm just going to say this to you. <laughs> Side note, 
When I take a walk, 99.9% of the time, I don't take my phone because I want to be present not only with what's around me, but here's the really amazing part, Garth. I want to be present with my thoughts because the insights and the amazing things that come to me when I'm on that walk by myself with my thoughts, gosh, that's where I've gotten my best, you know, ideas. So don't deny yourself that opportunity. In fact, Garth Callahan, are you ready to take this challenge? Oh, I don't know if I am. Yeah, why? <laughs> Tomorrow morning when you go on your walk, leave the phone at home. I, I don't want to give the impression. Hard? I don't want to give the impression that I don't have time to be my be by myself or be present or be contemplative. Yeah, no, I know you I know, but when you're walking and moving and you're in nature and you're not listening to someone else's thoughts, you're actually just connecting with yourself. Just do it one time. You know what I was listening to this morning? Well, if it's the Thrive Podcast with Garth and Darth, <laughs> which it really was should be listening to. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, right? Because you said it to people who are already listening. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, but I, I was listening, and one of the reasons why I wanted to listen to it was that there was something I said there. Somebody, a friend of ours, has kind of taken to heart, or taken to arm, as, as it were. My napkin note quote was, no risk, no story. And we have a mutual friend, Tina, who heard that. Tina's a badass. And she got that tattooed on her arm this week. Wow, that is amazing. It's kind of weird that she did that. And then we're talking about this because this is I feel like a continuation of that conversation, if you will, which was no risk, no story. And this is really stop playing it safe and push yourself to color outside the box. Because what's the worst that can happen? I used but, to say this. Wait a second, time out. If my children are listening to this, <laughs> Zoe, especially Zoe Kurtz, you cannot jump out of an airplane. No, that is not what I'm talking about. Now, okay, so let, let's let's go with this. No, I, I don't want her to jump out of the airplane. Nope. <laughs> so a lot of folks probably don't know this about me, but I spent a couple of years at the Air Force Academy. Okay. And one of the sayings that we had there, especially because most of us wanted to become pilots, who in their right mind would ever want to jump out of a perfectly good functioning aircraft, right? And that being said, you know, look at, you know, George Bush, who at 80 is but still was, jumping okay. out of aircraft. He was 80, true. And and I'm not saying that it's there's some significant risk in doing that. It's um, just, in my opinion, it's an unnecessary risk for a 19 year old. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't think we can compare the safety and security measures that the Air Force <laughs> takes to you know some random place that she's gonna find on the internet. That's all I'm saying. So I get the sense that this has been a discussion in your household. This is a discussion in the household. <laughs> Wow. It doesn't need to be a discussion in the household because I don't know if I want to say all this on the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but she's on my payroll. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that's my card for a little bit. That's a tough one, right? Um, no, it's not a tough one. Zoe Kurtz, stay on the ground. <laughs> so I will say that you're right. Do you I want think Emma to jump out of an airplane? If Emma had a burning desire in her soul to jump out of an airplane, 
I would allow my daughter, who is a very strong, confident young woman, I would allow her to make an adult decision and figure out how to do that with minimizing the risk and she would have to pay for it herself. Hey, we already knew that you were like the best dad ever, but now you're just making me look bad. <laughs> no, no. But so I think that there's different perspectives and, and yeah. different ways that moms treat daughters and dads treat daughters. Right? So I'm mom sure. Okay. You know what? I'm glad you said that because if you asked Lisa the same question. Oh, no way in hell would she. Lisa would be like, yeah. uh, Emma, no ma'am. Don't you think? Absolutely. I know that. I, uh, Lisa doesn't want her to drive across the highway, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I am kind of like that too. Like, so it's like, we're taking a road trip. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but okay. So I guess I, this could be another episode for another time. Kind of like, we can't let our fears get in the way of holding our kids back. But I feel like I took us down a path that I don't really want to be on right now. So oh, well, look. that's okay. But but it's 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 a it's a very parallel path. And yeah, I'll I'll bring it back to the the original topic. And I'll say that if we talk about how you want to live your life. And a long time ago, one of the phrases I tried to incorporate into my talks was no good story starts out with the words, No thanks, I'm gonna sit it out on the sofa. Exactly. So Let's talk about, besides the fear aspect of it, what else do we all do to hold ourselves back and not let ourselves take the chances that could help us grow? So it's the fear, but it's also the stories that we keep telling ourselves. We tell ourselves stories. We try to convince ourselves that our lives are maybe a certain way, or we look at something, obviously everything that we do we're coming from our own individual perspective. There are definitely stories that we each have, and they can be kind of things that we play over again in our minds of why we shouldn't do something. And we try to convince ourselves playing it safe is the best story for us to stay on, the page to stay on. Why do you think we do that? Well, some of it is that we think that other people's opinions matter more than ours. Exactly, Garth. Yes, we listen to the voices of other people and we are afraid we're going to get judged. And you know what? I get that. I completely understand it. I see it in the workplace. I see it in the neighborhood. I see it in my friends group. I don't think that I've ever, obviously the past seven years, I've been very strongly against that type of attitude and perspective. However, I don't know that I ever really prescribed to that attitude or perspective in any of my life. You know what I've learned is that when people judge me for something that I've done, like a decision that I've made, a lot of times it's not even about me, but it's about a decision that maybe they've made for themselves. And if I do something that maybe they wanted to do but didn't do, they judge me because they really don't want to question the decision they've made. You know, okay, so I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to okay. the napkin note quote today. Um, this is not what I was going to say. I actually wrote down something different. Okay. But because of how you just cued this up perfectly for me. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. <laughs> your, your $5 check will be in the mail today. I want seven. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wrote a note to Emma and I've posted a couple of times because it really resonates with me specifically on this topic, which is, dear Emma, when somebody tells you that something you want to do is impossible, it's not impossible for you. It's impossible yes. for them. Garth, nailed it. And it's so true. I personally have people 
tell me all the time that they're shocked or amazed or whatever, you know, some great superlative of something that I've done. And to be honest, I think to myself, oh, you know, what I did wasn't that big of a deal. I really don't think that a lot of what I do is remarkable. It's just that I go ahead and do it. Yeah, because you're not playing it small. You're not right. playing it safe. You're right. living a big life intentionally. And I think that's what you're saying. Oh, I just love the napkin note you shared. Okay, question. I'm taking us back. But do you think that my not wanting Zoe to jump out of an airplane is more about me? Honestly, I'm asking you not about my love for her and my care for her wanting because I want her to be safe. I mean, my gosh, she's my child, of course. But do you think that's more about me or more about my I'm going to say... I'm asking I'm honestly. Yeah, I'm going to say it's 50-50, right? There, 50% is the the mom need to keep her baby daughter safe. Okay. And then the other 50% is Dara, in your heart and soul and head, you're thinking, no way in hell would I ever jump out of an airplane. There's there's too much risk there. You know what's going to end up happening. She's going to do it. You know what's going <laughs> to end up happening. I, I'm going to have to go with her. I'm going to go with her. Oh, that's what's going to end up happening. But I'm it's so not, sorry. It's not, that it's not happening right now, but that's what's going to end up happening. I don't have a strong desire to do that particular thing. So what do you have a strong desire to do? I don't know that I have a strong desire to do anything that, you know, that I you're was, not doing right that I'm not doing. You know, I, I was listening to the news this morning and I heard about some like 60 year old dude who has just He's either finishing or just about to do his 60th triathlon. And he's going to go into the Guinness Book of World Records for being the oldest guy to complete the most amount of triathlons. Which obviously was his goal, I would imagine. Like he, I'm sure, he I'm, wanted to do that. And I thought to myself, yeah, you know, I could do that. I don't want to. Yeah, right? I mean, I, 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 I have no strong desire to do that. I kind of have one of those feather in my cap, right? Oh, yeah, I, I did a triathlon. Oh, yeah, I did a triathlon. I had chemo yesterday. I mean, that would be a great story. I mean, I can see you doing that, but I actually have no desire to do that either. Most of the things that I have really strong desires to do, I am actually doing. And I recognize that to a certain extent, I'm acting in a diminished capacity. Fatigue is still a pretty big part of my life. So my to-do list is bigger than it will ever get done. And I have to be acceptable of that. But I'm not, not doing things because I'm afraid. I'm just, I have to kind of measure out my energy levels and do things as I'm allowed to. And give yourself the space to sit on the couch and watch a TV show and rest. Because if you recharge your battery, then you're going to have more energy to do the things that you want to do. I think that's what you were saying when you were talking about your meeting with your counselor. Like I imagine she was saying, Garth, it's okay to slow down a little bit. Give yourself permission to rest a little bit so that you can get the energy. Why are you smiling? I'm, so smiling. <laughs> I'm smiling because my counselor isn't as coddling oh. as you. She's like, yeah, you know what, Garth, I understand your feeling. You know, you have been diagnosed with cancer a lot. And, and yeah, you really don't know what the future brings. And you're embracing that fact whereas most people also don't know what the future is going to bring See, but they're not embracing that fact okay let's go there for a second anything can happen to anyone at any time i'm just going to say it again anything can happen to anyone at any time and nobody most people don't think about it because here's the thing if we thought about that we wouldn't leave our houses because we would be so we could get so caught up in the fear of what might happen that 
it could make us not as productive as we want to be or as society needs us all to be. But I think a lot of people don't think about what could happen because life is uncertain for all of us. And so when you go through a scary diagnosis or when you go through what you've been going through, I mean, that is definitely one of the things that you're forced to look right in the eye is your mortality, is your longevity, is am I going to be, am I going to be around? Do I have the amount of time that I hope to have that I thought I was going to have that I planned on that I banked on? And there's going to be shit that's going to happen to someone today, hopefully no one that we love and care about or that is even listening to this podcast that they didn't think was going to happen. And so I would argue that as sucky as getting a cancer diagnosis is or any kind of diagnosis and as sucky as having to kind of look all of those scary things right directly in the eye, one of the positive benefits is that is the way you're living your life right now. And you know, what's what's incredibly interesting about this is that as a child, you know, so obviously children's perspective, you don't have that same view on life. But as a child, I almost drowned twice. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I, I you was not know not, how to swim. I was very young and no, I hadn't had swim lessons yet. And at least where I grew up, you didn't really start to have swim lessons until you were in maybe first grade or so second grade. And I know Emma started having swim lessons when she was three, I think. And so there were a couple of times where I got into water that was much, much deeper than I expected. And, you know, I wasn't making it back up to the surface. Interesting. That, that experience didn't change me because I was young. When I was in my early to mid 20s, I did something rather foolish. I jumped onto a moving train from the platform. I was running late and I wanted to get home. I didn't want to wait two hours for the next train. And I was, you know, the I'm running down the stairs in Boston and I can see the train already pulling out. And I'm doing the mental calculations of, okay, I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I see the, I see an open door. I can jump into the open door and I made it. And you could almost see the look of joy on my face as I'm like jumping from the platform through the air. I'm clearing the threshold of the door and I know that I'm going to make it. And I'm so excited and happy. And I forgot about the forward momentum of the train. And as I'm in the middle of the air, crossing the threshold into the train, the train hits me. Oh right? my so I'm, gosh. Right? So I'm in the train. I'm in the air in the doorway of the train. And the back of the, the wall hits my side because the train's moving forward. And I'm just so kind what of happened? jumping. Well, I thought I was going to die. Seriously? I, I really did. I was in so much pain. The entire right side of my body felt like it had been crushed and I kind of like dragged myself to a seat and had 35 or 40 minutes to contemplate my death because that was where I was getting off on the train and I was in serious pain for a few days but at that moment wait did people come up to you were they like okay you are a nut job and it looks really cool in the movies but you're not like <laughs> In the movies? <laughs> yeah, this was before Jason Bourne or anything like that. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but I... I totally thought you were like a superhero, didn't you? I, well, at the very least, I thought I was just this awesome guy who timed the jump right. <laughs> and I really, really, really felt like I was dying. And I, and I didn't think that I was going to make it because it, I was, it was so much pain. Believe it or not, I didn't break any bones. Did you go um, to the doctor? No. 
Um, I was severely bruised. I took a lot of painkillers for a few days, but even that experience, because it was so fleeting, once I stopped hurting, I didn't really start to think about the fact that, okay, I'm mortal. And that could be the right. fact that I was, you know, 22 or 23 or however old I was. What I think Dara and I are really trying to get at is you don't have to have this perspective on life that we do had gone through the cancer process to understand that life is short. Life is too short to not do important things. Life is too short to not do things that you love. Life is absolutely too short for you to not make a difference in the world. So here's the thriving tip for today. And if you're new to the Thrive Podcast, a thriving tip is a little nugget of goodness to maybe challenge you and give you something to think about. The thriving tip today is to figure out something in your life that you really want to do, but you've been playing it safe. And for whatever reason, maybe it's the opinions of other people, or maybe it's because you're afraid you haven't done it. So figure out one thing and commit to moving forward with that. Because just like Garth is saying, like we're saying on this podcast today, life is too short to not be living the life that you want to be living. Life is too short to make decisions that aren't parallel with what's important to you and what brings you joy and happiness. And so let us know what you do. We would love to hear it. So share it with us, email it to us or leave a comment on the podcast because we can all learn from each other and everyone has things that they're a little bit afraid of. We all do. We're not saying that fear is not going to be there. We're not saying that. We're saying push through the fear so that you can do something that you really want to do. You know what I love about your thriving tip, Dara, is that you didn't say complete the goal. The crux was figure out one or two or three steps that you need to start on so and that you start. can right and get it started and build some momentum not like that train um, no but, but i love <laughs> that because it is all about momentum because what's going to happen is i i imagine that you can speak to this personally but once you say okay this is what i'm going to do and these are you know i'm going to do step one that's kind of what i'm going to do to kind of begin it's going to feel really good you're going to be happy and then it's going to take you to maybe doing something else. And that is the momentum. And that is when it kind of propels itself. I've had this conversation a lot. And this will be the last thing that I say. Back when I was diagnosed with cancer for my third time, in between my third and fourth diagnosis, I really started to contemplate my mortality. And especially in perspective to how... I felt like I needed to raise Emma. And the way that I did that is I'd been writing notes to her forever. I wrote out 826 napkin notes in case I died. And what grade was Emma in then? I think she was in eighth grade, like right around the fall. And of you did grade. that intentionally so that she would have one for every single lunchbox lunch right. for high school to get her through school right right to, yeah. to get all the way up through high school graduation so what i don't want to talk about is that i miscalculated i don't want to talk about that i counted wrong on the calendars or that i made a lot of mistakes on napkins and threw them away or whatever but what i do want to talk about is that i sat down after purchasing a couple of packs of napkins and it started with one it started with one Right. And there were days that because of the gravity of the situation and what I was doing, that writing one napkin was really challenging. Just all the emotion behind it. Right. And then there were there were days that I actually went through a hundred pack 
in that one day. And it was like, oh, you know, I'm on a roll. I'm going to keep going. And all in, it took me a little less than three months, I think, to get from zero napkins to 826 napkins. Did she and know you were hiding them when you were doing it? Like, did she see you doing this? For the first month or two, nobody knew. It okay. was It was just me. Even Lisa didn't know. Okay. In fact, the only person that I had told was this really awesome dude, Alex Sheen. He's the founder of Because I Said I Would, which is an organization mm -hmm. that helps Love people, that. right? They, they make promises and keep promises. And so I had told him, and it wasn't until our story went viral in late January, early February that next year, when I was asked, I think on NPR, about writing those napkins. Right up until that moment, Emma didn't know and she was sitting behind me in the studio. And that's how she kind of found out. I just um, can't even imagine, how did she react to that? Because basically her dad is saying, hey, here it is. In case I don't survive, I want you to have a note for me every day in your lunchbox. And so how old was Emma when she was sitting behind you? Gosh, I mean, she had to have been 13-ish. That's a big dose of shit for a 13-year-old. It is. And, and oh, by the way, you hadn't, as a had family, you hadn't had those conversations. We hadn't had those conversations. I mean, we knew that I was in a dangerous situation. We knew that things weren't yeah. weren't fantastic, but it wasn't like we sat down at family dinner and said, okay, so here's what's going on. Dad's afraid of dying. Pass the mashed potatoes. Oh, and by the way, dad might not make it. So he's going to be... Um, yeah. Yeah. In, ca in case I die, I'd like to be cremated, right? I mean, you, you, how do you, you don't have that type of discussion. Well, and I just want to say for everyone who's new to our podcast, Emma graduated from high school and she's actually a freshman in college now. So that's all good. But again, I started with zero napkins and it wasn't a risky venture, but it was still something that I wanted to do required time, required effort, required Commitment. energy. Commitment right. and consistency. I get asked this question a lot, Dara, and I'm sure you, you do too. And the question is, oh, you know, you've written a book. I've always wanted to write a book. How do you do it? And my answer is always, well, how many pages, how many words have you written today? Because you don't finish the book in one day, right? You don't sit down and just write until you finish. You sit down and you write a paragraph or you write a sentence or you write a word. You just start. Right. You have sure. to do it. So that's all I have. And it's so easy. And once you get started, then you can start thinking about the finish. Well, and then I think you're going to get so excited that you started. You're going to think of a lot of other things that you could do because you're going to realize, hey, I can do this. Think of all the other things I can do. And it's just going to spiral. And that's momentum. And I mean, that's what's so fun is we all don't know all the amazing things that we're going to do or that we could do. So get out of your own way and let yourself be the awesome person you can be. It's so awesome. I actually have uh, three books by John Acuff. He's an author that I really like. And the first one that I read of his was called Start. Oh, I love that. And it was about how you start at any aspect in your life. In fact, I'm rereading it right now because I loved it so much. And there are some things that I want to start. And that's a topic for a different podcast. Yes, it is. I'm Dara Kurtz, author of Crush Cancer, available on Amazon and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. I am Garth Callahan, the original Napkin Notes Dad. You can find me at napkinnotesdad.com. And if you're so inclined, you can go to Amazon and buy my book, Napkin Notes. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. 
It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.